From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Rachel Clun. It's Monday, December 19. This festive season has been described as a freedom Christmas, as it's the first time in four years family and friends will be able to gather without the looming threat of bushfires and without pandemic lockdowns. Despite the lack of restrictions, that holiday gathering is not going to look exactly as it did before. That's thanks to natural disasters and supply chain pressure affecting everything from the supply of cherries to champagne and even Christmas trees. Today, environment reporter Laura Chung and business reporter Jessica Yun on how your holiday spread will look a little different this year. Laura and Jess, a lot of people will be looking forward to gathering around a festive table with friends and family this year, but you've both just written a story that says this summer, this Christmas will look a little different from usual. Tell me about that, Laura. What's happening? Well, I think everyone was really excited for this Christmas. You know, it's one of the first ones that we're having that is entirely free of of COVID restrictions. But it goes without saying that we've obviously had a very, very wet year and the rain has actually impacted quite a few produce. So, for example, I think, you know, oysters are a staple on pretty much everyone's Christmas table. But there's actually been a very deadly disease that's swept through the Port Stephens area. It's called the QX disease, and it basically means that oysters can't reproduce. So farmers up there have lost pretty much 100% of their stock. This area produces about 16% of the state's oysters. This is just the Sydney rock oyster that we're talking about that's been wiped out. So a lot of the producers up that way have sort of had to try and pivot and figure out what they can grow. But what it means this year is that we'll just not see any Port Stephens Sydney rock oysters, and as a result, we'll see some other produce of this type sort of increase. Uh, in response. And Jess, it's not just oysters that have been affected. Flooding has affected quite a few different uh, foods, fruit, vegetables. How will that flow through to us when we go do our shopping? Yeah, so exactly like Laura said, I think, um, you know, the the flooding and the rains, obviously, for especially the types of produce that, you know, get planted in the ground. So when it comes to things like stone fruit, when it comes to certain types of vegetables, you know, fresh produce like zucchinis, I know melons as well, all sorts of things. It just means that the harvests have been delayed in certain instances or, you know, um, with the raining and the, the lack of light for instance, I know can really affect tomatoes as well. So I think it's one of those things where you have your typical sort of harvest periods, but because of the rain, because of the low light, because of the temperatures and things like that, it means that a lot of the produce gets pushed out later or has been, you know, wiped out. And because of lower supply, we see higher prices for that reason. And Laura, there's been a lot of flooding around the country this year, but has that flooding affected particular growing areas and what sort of fruit and vegetables, say, have been affected by this? Great question. I think it's important to remember that even though we see rain fall in one particular area, these water systems where the flood water sort of moves down through the state is so vast. So we'll see water sort of fall in that Forbes area, which is sort of central Tablelands region. And it's actually got to flow through the state and down to South Australia before it makes its way out to the sea. So you've got those huge areas that are also going to be impacted as the floodwaters move down. In terms of vegetables, we'll see lettuce, cucumbers and herbs, uh, which should be in high demand, but we might see a slight increase. We'll see capsicums and zucchinis also have a slight increase in pricing as well. And then, as Jess said, we've got those stone fruit, which will also see a slight increase. I think it's important to remember that we're not saying you won't be able to get these vegetables at all. I think it's just that you've got to be prepared to pay for a little bit more or perhaps get a bit creative about where you're shopping. 
Well, natural disasters aren't the only thing that have been affecting supplies of some of these foods and our supply chains. There's a lot of things that we like to eat or drink at the Christmas period that we get from overseas. Uh, I'm thinking of champagne specifically. (laughs) Are we going to be able to get bubbles at Christmas time? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one. I did speak to an importer of champagne and specialty champagnes and, and stuff like that. And my read of it seems to be that the all the really popular brands, so you've got your Moet, Verve Clicquot, uh, Bollinger, things like that, I think because they're the big name brands that people really love, we might see a little bit of, uh, you know, it might be a little bit harder this year to to get your hands on some of those. But I think the point that this champagne importer was trying to make to me is that just because they are the best known brands doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best champagnes that are available. So uh, I think it just really comes down to being open to testing and trying different types of things. But yes, the reason for that champagne-like shortage, I suppose, is because demand has been so high throughout COVID. So we're seeing that sort of demand affect availability, but also in terms of, you know, even growing the the grapes, um, you know, the, the 2021 harvest was affected by disease and frost and hail. So I think it's about, you know, being open and willing to swapping out your Moet for, for something else. I think something that Jess and I have particularly noticed through uh, this story and, and others that we've sort of done in the area is obviously we've had bushfires, we've had floods, we've had COVID, is just how farmers are starting to pivot their business models. So a lot of them are starting to grow grapes in different regions on their farm, for example, just because they're noticing that the climate is is already changing. And so in terms of trying to diversify their product and increase their revenue and stay ahead of the curb, they're just sort of altering and pivoting on on their business models and what they grow and what they produce. Well, farmers are pivoting. What about households? Not everything, I'm assuming, is going to be super expensive uh, this summer. So what things will be a bit easier to find? I think one of the the really good things is when it comes to our Christmas, like turkey and ham and, you know, lamb and the stuff that we really love chucking on the barbecue in terms of availability, that seems to all be there. But yeah, it, it might be a little bit more expensive here and there. But the good thing is, you know, I hear that prawns are going to be definitely on the table and are actually a little bit cheaper than usual. My contact at the, the Sydney Fish Market said that uh, medium prawns, you'd be expecting to pay around $30 a kilo around Christmas. And over the last two years, it's been about $35 a kilo. So if you've got worries about seafood, that's not one thing we need to worry about. There's also a lot of mangoes and they are all very cheap at the moment, which is great news if you love mangoes. This is excellent news. Uh, but Laura, of the things that we we don't have a lot of or that have been affected by floods, say, you know, cherries and your oysters, will we be paying, just be paying more for these treats or will they actually be quite difficult to find? I think it's going to be a combination of both. I think it also depends on how severely the produce has been impacted. So, for example, if we go back to our Port Stephens oysters that we talked about in the beginning, for a lot of these producers, they're never going to grow them again just because the disease is so prevalent in the area. So this means that farmers have now completely pivoted to growing Pacific oysters. It's going to be three years until they sort of see those oysters get to a stage where they can sell them. So that means for that region, we're probably not going to see oysters coming out that much for the next couple of years. So if you really love Port Stephens oysters, I'd suggest obviously supporting local farmers, but also be prepared to try and, you know, fall in love with the different region as well. And I think that goes for a lot of the produce is you've got to understand these farmers have been through a lot. 
obviously we say this a lot that farmers and, and Australia is very resilient, but I think you've just got to be prepared to see that some things won't be available for a while. And in some cases, they'll come back quite quickly. And for those who like decorating at Christmas time, it might also be expensive for some of those non-food products. Laura, what's costing more? I think we all love the smell of fresh pine trees at Christmas, but unfortunately we've seen high demand coupled with record rainfall uh, from these back-to-back La Nina events. We've had three of them in the last three years. So it means a lot of trees have suffered root rot. For example, you know, we've seen Christmas tree suppliers lose about 300 to 400 trees from just one farm, which is a huge amount. So I think if you are hoping to get your hands on a Christmas tree, you're going to be fighting with everyone else to do the same, but that's not to say you can't find them. You just might have to get up a bit earlier. And maybe pay a bit more. Exactly. (laughs) So Laura and Jess, after a couple of COVID Christmases and a bushfire Christmas, how different will this one be? I'm hoping it'll be a nice one. (laughs) Look, if you can spend it with loved ones and hopefully there aren't any floodwaters or bushfires, then I think it's a good Christmas. Yeah, I guess, you know, being a business reporter and and sort of like making sure I keep tabs on economically what's going on in Australia, everyone seems really keen to spend this Christmas in terms of festivities, in terms of, you know, making sure that we can all get together and we can have that feast and we can, you know, be all around the table together. And people are definitely doing that. I think one of the things to look out for is that there does seem to be, you know, all the economists are predicting that, you know, after those end of year festivities are over, when we head into next year, it really does look like there's going to be a little bit of a a spending crunch where consumers are going to be, you know, um, reconsidering you know, what they can and can't afford or, you know, how much their budget allows and pulling back on that discretionary spending a little bit. So it seems that everyone's going to be going pretty hard for Christmas this year and for New Year's as well, hopefully. But retailers are definitely expecting that, you know, wallets are going to tighten next year. Well, Laura and Jess, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Hannah Mills-Turbot. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Rachel Clun. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.